us a hand clap. Can you do that this morning? Amen. Glory to God. We're going to be in 2 Kings this morning. Let me say as you turn in there, 2 Kings, it's a tremendous honor uh, to be here. And uh, I do my best not to take it lightly. We do our best to fast and pray, see God for each meeting. I'm not a I'm not a uh, orator. I'm not a pulpiteer, if you will. Uh, I don't really preach sermons. I don't guess. I don't feel that way anyways to me. I just do my best to hear from God. I'm not really anything, folks. I want you to know that. I felt impressed while we were worshiping the Lord here a few moments ago. The Lord just dropped a phrase in my spirit. Amen. That recovery is possible. Amen. Thank God that's it's been possible in my life. I was sitting there when they were singing songs about the blood, and I remember my addictions. I had them, but they don't have me anymore. Praise God. I, I remember what I was when I was a teenager, lost without God. I remember having never heard the gospel and then hearing it for the first time. I, I remember what it was like being in that darkness and realizing what it was and coming in. I remember the pathway that the blood made for me. I, I stand today just by his grace. I'm astounded by his goodness. I don't deserve to be here. Amen. But his blood put me here. Amen. I'm not here this morning because of it's my profession. I want you to know that I'm not doing this because this is what uh, preachers do and this is what this preacher does. I'm not a profession uh, professional. Uh, this is not my trade. I didn't go to Vo Votech school for this. Come on, somebody. Amen. I was saved by the blood, filled with the Spirit. I answered the call to preach this gospel. Amen. 30 years later, I've made my way to you good people. And I believe God has got a providence in this meeting this week. And I believe He wants to talk to hearts and lives. And, but I can tell you, folks, if you don't come out, it ain't going to do you any good. Y'all shout with me. Woo! Amen. If you lay up. And watch that same rerun of gun smoke you've already seen ten times this evening. You're not going to be able to hear from God. Amen. I'm not against that. I'm just telling you, come to the house of the Lord. He has something for you. Amen. God wants to talk to us tonight, this morning, this week. And I, I'm just honored to be here. Appreciate your pastor. And uh, he uh, he's just one of my favorites. I tell you, I love listening to him preach, being around him. And uh, he's my kind. I tell you, I'm just a, uh, I'm just a simple Simple guy, and uh, I, I, I appreciate your pastor, amen, because he makes me feel like I'm at home, amen. Praise God. Amen. Second Kings this morning, chapter number 6. Praise the Lord. Second Kings, chapter number 6. And uh, appreciate my wife, family being with me. We, we do have other children that we didn't bring. Some of them had to work. Praise God for that. Not the right, not, they're in church this morning, but thank God they're working too. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, we, we brought some of our younger ones with us. They traveled with my wife. I just appreciate her. She puts up with me. She's the better half of this deal, I can tell you. Amen. A lot of people, uh, they may not like me, but they like her, so they put up with me. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So I appreciate her being with us. And I, I, I'm gonna, I might spring a testimony on you tonight. I might get her stand and say something for the Lord. Amen. That's her warning. Amen. Praise God. Be ready. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Kings chapter 6. If you're there, say amen. 
The Bible said, begin reading here at verse number 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. It's too small. Not that straight as in holy, but it's too small. It's too narrow. We need some more room. We need a building program. Let us go. We pray thee unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us make us a place where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one of them said, Be content, I pray thee. Go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So when so he went with them, and when they had come to Jordan, they cut down wood. And, but as one was felling a beam, the axe fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, it was borrowed. I didn't own it. Y'all ever wrote something that wasn't yours? Oh, dear God, you know what I'm talking about. It was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick, cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. I just want to preach to you for a few minutes with the help of God. Get the edge back. Amen. Get the edge back. Hallelujah. Pray with me this morning, Father. We're in this place here today because of your grace and your mercy. We're asking you in this house that your divine touch and your voice would be heard. Not the voice of this man, not the voice of a preacher. God, I pray somehow you'd work a work in this place. A miraculous work by your anointing and your presence that men would not hear another man but they hear the voice of God talking to them in their circumstance, where they are. They hear the voice of God talking to them in their age bracket, where they are, that youth, that elder, whoever. But God, I pray this morning that you leave no heart unturned and that you deal with us in this place and we come under the power of your mighty presence. We thank you this week, God, that we set aside. We call it revival. And God, I pray that it truly turns into revival because we need it. Lord, we're in trouble. Help us this week. Help us this week, Lord. We're in trouble. And we need your help. Our nation's in trouble. And our nation needs help. Our town, our city, our county's in trouble. And we need your help. And you're the only one that can do it. And we acknowledge that today. And we're asking you, Lord, that we fall upon your grace and mercy today. And we're asking you, Lord, that you'd hide us behind the cross and anoint us with the sweet Holy Ghost of God. We praise you and thank you. And give you glory and ask all these things. In the strong name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Get the edge back. Oh, you, you know today, this morning, that the Bible truly is a book. Amen. Of recovery. There's no doubt about it, folks. Amen. Recovery is possible this morning. And the Bible is replete in its pages. Hallelujah. With story after story of a blind Bartimaeus, of a Zacchaeus. Amen. Of a woman at the well. Amen. A woman caught in the act of adultery. It's replete. 
Amen. With Jesus calling tax collectors to be used by Him and the misfits and the outcasts. It's replete with stories of kings who fell into adultery but found the mercy of God. It's replete in its pages. Amen. Where God found people at the rock bottom and God found people that needed Him. Come on, y'all go help me today. Amen. He found people that needed Him. And the Bible is replete with stories of recovery and redemption where God stepped in and He fixed the situation. Come on. Amen. God stepped in and He and He alone made a difference. Hallelujah to God. Oh yeah, I'm telling you right now we could be here all day and I know you don't have time. I hope you don't have me on uh, praise God the, the noon clock uh, time frame and your stomach is growling here in a little bit but I'm going to do my best to hurry. Amen. But I want you to know today that amen what I'm reading to you here in this Bible in 2 Kings Amen. It's a story of recovery. There's no doubt, folks, you and I were like that axe head. Hallelujah. You and I were like that axe head. Friend, there was a lost condition. Amen. And I want you to know that God brought recovery in that situation. There's all kind of things in the Bible that the Lord just kind of put this on my heart. If you're in this house today, amen, and you don't really know God, and if you'd be honest with yourself, you know if you do or you don't, amen. I know that we live in a culture where everybody's saved. All dogs go to heaven. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're living in a culture where you ain't never heard a preacher preach somebody. Amen. Everybody, you ever, you know, you ever been to in the last 20, 30 years, everybody goes to heaven. Y'all know that? Amen. Can't nobody go to hell no more. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Nobody's got a backbone to preach nothing no more. Amen. We're living in a culture where we're scared of everything. But I'm telling you today, God's got a people that He's raising up. And if we'll let the Lord do a work in this hour, he will help the church get the edge back. Hallelujah. You know, if you're in this place and maybe the edge means to you a salvation experience, He can help you get that edge back. Maybe you're in this place and people don't know the backstory. People may not know. I don't know. I don't know anybody here. Amen. I might have shook some of you visitors' hands when I walked in. You thought I belonged here. I, I just now got here. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know your backstory. There may be people sitting in these pews that have known you for years don't know your backstory. They don't know your prayer life. They don't know the coldness that's setting upon your soul, the discouragement, whatever. There was an edge there. There was something effective. Come on here. Amen. But you've lost that lukewarmness is taking hold. Y'all Y'all don't all shout at one time, but you know it's true. Amen, folk. I'm going to tell you something. You're backslid before you get to that bar stool. You hear me? I said you're backslid long before you get to that bar stool. Amen. You're backslid before you get off these pews. Amen. It don't just happen overnight. I wish somebody had me. Preach here this morning, but I'm letting you know a condition that if we realize what's going on, He can help you get the edge back. Amen to God. Maybe you're here today and you're a Sunday school teacher, or a song leader, or a musician, or amen, a lay preacher, or a full-time preacher, whatever you want to call it, or you've been in ministry before and you're visiting pastor and you're in between assignments, if you will. I don't know who's in this house. And maybe you're loving God and you're doing your very best. Amen. But you'd say, my God, I can remember when I was close. I might backslid, but I can remember, amen, when I felt a little more on fire for God. God, I feel something trying to work on me. Come on, somebody. I believe every one of us in this house have got an edge. I believe every one of us in this house has got something God wants to help you recover. Can I preach for a little bit? 
Hallelujah to God. The edge is effectiveness. Amen. It's a power and ability. It's unction. Concerning the Christian walk, it's that unction with the Holy Ghost. Y'all know a physical edge when it comes to an axe or a machete. It's just a tool that helps you do work. Amen. That you couldn't normally do without if you don't believe that, you ought to try cutting down a tree with another tree. I'm just telling you, if you don't have an edge, it's probably not going to be effective. You need an edge, folks. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need an edge. Oh, yeah, I, I've taken many trips to uh, uh, mission trips and so forth. I've been in Central America. Amen. I'm telling you, they'll clean the, 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 most of the place I've been to Belize. I've seen it in Belize and Honduras for sure. I've seen them cut their grass, the grass in the yard with a machete. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, they'll have that baby so sharp. They don't, they don't do nothing with an edge that's not sharp. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, if you, do, if you try to do work with an edge that's not really an edge, you're wasting your time. Right. And get down and cut that grass. I've seen them clean the ditches. Man, they got a, they got a, we call them an aggie, where I'm from, or a grubbing hoe. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Amen. Some folks call them an aggie. We call them an aggie, a grubbing hoe, whatever. They have these grubbing hoes and they'll sharpen the edge of it. And they'll cut out roots and they'll cut out stumps. They'll clean the ditches. Man, that thing, but I'm going to tell you right now, the only reason it works uh, is because uh, they've got an edge on it. Oh, yeah. I cut a pump. Y'all know one of, my, one of my high school jobs. Oh, I wish it had been Chick-fil-A. My son, I'm telling you. But I had a high school job of cutting pulpwood one summer. How in the world it happened, I do not know, but I ended up out there, amen, running a tractor with some log dogs in the back and skidding logs, amen. It wouldn't let me have a chainsaw because I was dangerous with it, amen. So I, I had to drive equipment. That was probably more dangerous. I burnt my hand one time on a muffler. My God, amen, amen. So I don't know. It's, I, I think danger is kind of objective, amen. It just kind of depends on who's defining it, doesn't it? Amen. If mama's defining it, you never get out of the house. If daddy's defining it, you're going to burn your hand on a muffler. Praise God. Amen. But we had an old man that would cut. He was one of our saw hands, and he cut pulpwood. Oh, yeah. Amen. And I'm telling you, he moved He moved about this fast right here. I'm talking about in fifth gear. We leave the set. We'd say, we're finna go. We'd marry. We'd get on our tractors. We'd buck out through the woods. Boom, hitting stunk. We're going to find the, the logs they cut the day before, and we're going to skid them out. And there, there's old Mr. John. He's got his steel chainsaw. He's in high gear. He's limping a little bit because the saw's heavy. And I'm telling you, we are, we're already moving wood before he ever gets to where he's going to start cutting. Man, and he'd start cutting. Whoa, whoa, we'd hear him. He's cutting that wood. And I'd reckon he'd start to pull a file out of his pocket and he'd sharpen that chain. He'd sharpen that chain. Move one tooth at a time, sharpen every tooth on that chain. He'd cut a few more logs. He'd cut a few more trees. And he'd, he'd stop sharpening that chain. Man, us young guys, us, us kids, we, we don't believe, oh, Mr. John, he's going to sharpen that chain. We go, he's never going to get wood. He'll never get, we get paid by the ton. What you get on the ground and what you skid to the, to the loader. Man, he's going to be broke. I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, every time, he always had more wood on the ground than anybody. 
Always. Nobody could outcut Mr. John. Nobody. Amen. He never got in a hurry. He sharpened that chain and he told us this. One of the boys asked him, and we had those two other chainsaw hands. Amen. They asked him, and Mr. John, he said, How in the world are you always, you either cut as much wood as we do, or you outcut us, and you ain't never in a hurry. You stop sharpening that chain, walk everywhere you go. He said, Boys, I want to tell you, I can get more work done when I've got a sharp edge than you can fighting that saw. He said, I'll watch you boys by lunchtime. You finally get around sharpening that chain. He said, Y'all by, by 10 o'clock in the morning, y'all saw us throwing sparks. You don't wore that bar out. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Your child, I'm just going to tell you, folks, your chainsaw is dull if it's making sparks on wood. Just in case you ever need to know, it's dull if you're. It's dull. Stop and sharpen it. He said, boys, I'm going to tell you, if you keep that chain sharp, he said, you, you'd make all kind of, he said, you'd make more money if you had a sharp chain. You're, he, oh, you'd, yeah, there'd be a little more jingle in your pocket if you had a sharp chain. Church, I can tell your soul would prosper a little yeah. bit more if you kept a sharp chain, if you keep that prayer line sharp. Amen. You can do a work for God. If you'll go to that Sunday school class, ma'am, sir, and you've got that sharp edge, you'll be able to affect people more. If I'll get to the pulpit and I've got an edge, come on, somebody. I've got an edge. I'm telling you there'll be more effectiveness. If you go out of that world as a Christian and you're going to be a witness for God, if you'll have an edge, I'm going to tell you the problem is, folks, we're trying to do a work for God and we ain't spend time on the edge. We haven't fine-tuned that, that which is going to help us do the work. That edge, if it's not sharp, you're not going to be able to get as much work done. You and I, when I got in this kingdom of God in 1996, I got filled with the Holy Ghost on the side of the road in my pickup truck. That's just how it happened for me. In 1996, I got an edge. That's been helping me. I, man, I was backwards and bashful. And, and, and never in my life thought I'd ever be up. I gave up. My first time I ever had to get up in front of somebody and speak. I remember it was eighth grade English class. And we had to give some kind of persuasive speech. And a few kids in public school know what this is like. I don't know if y'all have to do this anymore, but we did. And I tell you, I got up here this whole time I was doing this right here. I couldn't even look at nobody. I still don't look like looking at people, but I'm telling you right now. And man, I thought, there ain't no way I'd ever do what I'm doing right now. Amen. Oh, but in 1996, I got an edge. I borrowed an edge, a real good one, an effective one. I borrowed one from the Holy Ghost. It's His presence. I got filled with Him. I borrowed that edge. I've never owned the edge, but I did borrow one. And I've had to maintain and upkeep it. And if I lose it, I better find it. Amen. If I dull it, if I hit the wrong thing, I better get that thing out of the edge. I better get it back where it needs to be because I need this experience with God to be as sharp in my life as it's ever been. We're living in the days right now, folks. I'm telling you, this nation's changed just in my short lifetime. It's changed. Who'd ever thought we'd be where we are today? 
And it's only because of sin, folks. It's only because the church, listen to me, church, you can't afford to go through your Christian experience with a dull edge. Amen. Some kind of experience you had back when you got a youth camp, but you ain't sharpened it in years. Amen. You don't come. You don't have a time of prayer with God. Amen. I'm not saying it's got to be like me and you got to do like me. And if you're not like me, then you're lost. I'm not saying that. But I am saying spend time on the edge, sharpen and hone, make it effective. Come on. When I look at the disciples in that first century church in the book of Acts, they were effective. We've got to be effective in this hour. We need to get the edge back, church. What if it's uh, what if we what if we write another book about 21 steps to effective Christian ministry? I think we've got enough 21 steps. We got 21 steps of 21 steps by now, folks. We have 21 stepped ourselves to death. We're about to trip over our 21 steps. Matter of fact, my 21 steps is about to trip over your 21 steps. We're stepping all over the place. Why don't we just get the edge back? Why don't we just get that thing back that when those kids go to school in the morning, they see you knelt down at that sofa in the middle of the in the middle of the living room and they hear you crying out to God before you go to work. Why don't we get that edge back? Why don't we get the edge back that before we leave or before we go to church, amen, on a Sunday night, y'all remember when the church used to get here early and we'd all, before we worship, we want to have prayer meeting. And an hour before church, the church would show up, we all get prayed through before we ever sang the first note you know what that was we had an edge and we wanted to keep it sharp we may not have moved through the woods fast we may not have moved as fast but we can still be effective in this last day I'm telling the church let's get the edge back let's get the edge back dear God church somebody said well preacher when we got revival right now in this you know, the church, I, I, had a, I had a preacher I know made a comment the other day, not directly to me, but it was indirectly, said, the church don't need revival. I thought, do what? The church don't need revival. Listen, church, I don't know what in the world he's talking about, but we need a move of God today. We need revival today. I don't know what he said. Oh, no, the church don't need revival. We, we, yes, did God, did God give the church gifts of the Holy Ghost? He absolutely did. Do we need, yes, we absolutely have folks. Do we still believe that? That's the question. Did I borrow that accent years ago? Yes. Hallelujah. And the purpose, amen, and on of that accent, amen, the purpose of that edge is to be used to build the kingdom of God. Did we get that as a church at some point in time? Yes. But listen, have we lost the edge somewhere? Have we lost the accent somewhere? It was borrowed. 1996, I got this axe head and I got a bard one day. The master gave me lend of this axe head. In my pickup truck, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I, 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 was, I was not really a, a witness. Or I don't really have a... I'm pretty an introvert kind of person. My wife has to... Thank God for a wife. She really has to go me to go shake hands with people. So if I'm not a handshaker. I just, I'm just kind of backward. Y'all forgive me. Come on. Y'all don't act like y'all are forgiving me. <laughs> Glory to God, I'm sorry if I just Hallelujah. Amen. But we I, I just said just in my personality. Amen. But man, I'm gonna tell you I'm not really a bold person at all, really. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. 
That night, I drove my, little, my, my pickup truck all the way back to the dorms at Tyler Junior College in Tyler, Texas. Living on a secular campus. I just got in to a spirit-filled church. I was 19 years old. Amen. I just got in and got filled with the Holy Ghost. I hadn't been saved a couple of years. Come on. Drove my truck back to my little secular campus. And there was a devil waiting on me. Come on. I don't think it really bothered him that I was filled with the Holy Ghost. He still came to tempt me. He still showed up right where I was, brother. I got back to the campus and one of the boys, see, it was a, it, we, we shared two dorm rooms. The two dorm rooms shared a bathroom, rather. That's always awkward. Where two dorms had one bathroom. It was conjoined on either side of the restroom. I got there and one of my, the, uh, the adjoining room's roommates <clears throat> seen me that when I come in, man, I just, man, I've been on the side of the road in the glory. I'm talking about in the glory. The fire of God. I come in that place, man, I'm full of the Holy Ghost, man. I, I, I'm still just enamored with what God's done in my life. I was on the side of the road for a couple of hours. Just, I just pulled the truck over and stayed there. Finally got there and he's in the lobby about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. He's in the lobby laughing at me when I come in. I said, man, what are you laughing at? He said, oh, you ain't been in the room yet? I said, I just got here. Just, I just rolled in from out of town, back home. And I got, got there and I went in the room and he had, this boy had plastered pornography all in the bathroom. It's a shared bathroom. Now, I'm blood-bought, filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't want that in my bathroom, but it's not just my bathroom. So I had to go explain something to him. When, I, when I, he was in the room, so I went through the bathroom and just walked right up in his room. He's a red-headed boy. I can still see him. He grow bearded, about 19 years old. Good, fine-looking beard, I'm telling you. Yes, sir. He's about this tall. About that tall. I can still remember him. I walked up and I said, man, listen, I can't remember his name. I walked up and said, man, let me tell you what's happening. He said, did you go to the bathroom? I said, I did. And he knew by the look on my face, he was like, I said, man, let me tell you what's happened. And he, he got, he, he kind of, what happened? Because it must have been sure enough if you don't like what's going on in that bathroom. I said, no, I don't. And I told him my whole testimony. I got delivered from pornography. I got delivered from addiction. I got delivered from alcohol. I got delivered from, from stealing. I got delivered from thievery. I got delivered. I told him my whole testimony. I gave him, I'm just shabang. I gave the whole thing to him right there. And I'm going to tell you something. And I said, man, tonight, right before I got here, I just got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, he was looking at me like I had four heads. And I said, sir, I know that's not just my bathroom. And I'm not trying to press upon you. And he said, man, look, I'll take it down. I'll take it all down. I said, would you please? I said, man, I come out of that life of addiction. He delivered me and I don't want to go back. That's right. And I said, what he did for me, he can do for you. And I just preached to him. Man, he went in there. He started ripping all that stuff off the walls. And I'm preaching to him. I said, throw all that mess in the garbage. Oh, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm telling you right now, that Holy Ghost gave me a ball. I had an edge I'd never had before. I had an effectiveness I never had. But used to, that sin would press on me. But there was another living inside of me. Amen. There was another living inside of me. Amen. The temple had came alive with the presence and the glory of God. The temple had been filled with the glory of God. And I could not. I could not stay like that. I had to go to 
these almost 30 years of walking with him. And I've lost that bar that's in. Come on here. There's been times in this almost 30 years of walking with him. I'm almost done. Believe it or not. I'm trying. I know. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, but listen. I've done my best. There's times I, that axe head started getting loose. There's times I lost that axe head. Now you can call that backslid or you can call it whatever, but I knew I wasn't effective like I needed to be. Come on, y'all don't all shout at one time. I, I, I want to be effective. I want to be effective. I had an axe head that I borrowed and I kept it sharp. There's been times I neglected that axe head. You know, you know what'll happen? You know that axe head gets dull? I'm going to tell you, first of all, just use it and don't do anything with it. Just use it and don't ever sharpen it. You can cut the right thing with it without ever sharpening it and eventually it'll dull it. You can teach Sunday school class, sing, preach, witness, do all of that. Never do nothing wrong. Never go back out into sin. But just over time, it does. And come on, somebody. Over time, I've got to get in the Word of God. And I've got to get the file of that Word of God out. And I've got to get the hardness of that file up against that edge. And I've got to reshape it. I've got to get it back where it used to be. Come on. I've got to get it back where it used to be. i got to put that thing back where it was. Come on, I gotta reset that edge. I gotta bring it back to a place where it's sharp and effective again. Do you know you can dull that edge? It's one reason, man, we used to have wood burning stove when, when, when I, a couple years ago. Amen, a few years ago my, at one house we owned, my kids were younger then, and so when it was September, October, it was wood toting season because it's going to get cold. Mama can't be cold in the house. So we heated our whole house with burning stuff. So the kids are going to wiggle all tote wood. You talking about hate that? We all hated it, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that living off the grid. That's for Charles Engels. That ain't for me, I'm telling you. <laughs> but we did it. Glory to God, we did it. By September, October, I didn't let the kids get a hold of the axe and the split them all. You know why? Amen. Because they're going to hit something with it that it didn't need to be hit with. And put a nick in it. Do it. They're going to get out there and play with it. Let me tell you something, folks. You can't play with this anointing. Yeah. You start controlling it. You start to, you, my God, y'all don't know. You start controlling it. You start, listen. If you hit your brother with this edge, if you strike something that you shouldn't hit with it, you're going to damage that edge. There's some things you don't hit with an axe. There's some things with this Holy Ghost edge you don't strike with. You don't strike your brother with it. I'm not talking about when God has to bring correction to your life through your pastor or ministry. Amen. That's when that edge is working on you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you... Amen. There's things going on or you say things are hurtful or there's malice or there's jealousy. Amen. It's something that going on. There's unforgiveness. There's bitter words. Come on. Amen. I'm talking about when that child didn't like what the parent said so they strike that parent with that axe head. Amen. And that thing gets dull and it gets duller and it gets... You know what happens? You can dull the edge when you abuse it. I found that to be true. Two reasons why you'll lose that edge. There's two reasons why. Amen. Listen. The edge is lost because it's dull. 
and the edge is lost because it's dry. Let me explain. When you take a dull axe head or a machete or whatever, especially an axe, and you use it too long, dull, you'll exert, you'll exert more force on the connection that connects the axe and the handle. You'll exert more force on that handle than what it's designed for, and you will break the connection. There's a lot of people that instead of sharpening their relationship with God, they just keep on with that force. And what they're going to do is break the connection. Come on, somebody. I know y'all ain't all shouting with me, but I'm telling you the truth this morning. I'm telling you right now, folks, listen to me. Listen to me. If we're going to have revival, we've got to realize that a dull edge will cause me to put too much emphasis on the connection. We've got dull axe heads in our 2023 Christian, man, I hope y'all ain't getting mad at me. I hope if y'all are quiet, y'all are listening. Y'all ain't getting madder. Woo! I'm telling you, I can't tell. It's hard. Y'all are hard to read because y'all are making me nervous. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah, God. I don't know. Hallelujah, but I'm telling you right now. Amen. See what happens? We start emphasizing the connection over the sharpness of the accent. The connection, the handle, the thing we're holding on to, the thing that connects us to the effectiveness. We're holding on to the old handle of the tent revivals of the 1950s. We're holding on to the handle of Smith Wigglesworth. And we're holding on to the handle of how Papa did it. And we're holding on to the handle. And we've got more emphasis on the handle, but we never pay any attention to the edge. My God, somebody. And what we don't realize, if we don't get that edge sharpened, we're going to lose the whole connection. We'll end up losing what connects us to our past. We'll end up losing what connects us to our future. We'll end up losing what connects us to our legacy. Amen. But it's that edge that we've got to maintain. That, amen, axe head gets loose on the handle because it's not sharp. That's good. Got to hit that thing with that, with that file every now and then. Do you know what a file is? Of course you do. A file is something harder than that axe head. It's able to remove the excess and reshape it and put it back where it was. That's what the Word of God does for me and you. It's harder. It's tempered. Come on, it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it starts cutting away the things and the excess in my life and the things that's dull in my prayer life and the things, come on folks, if I don't preach like this, we ain't never going to have revival. I can't give you some little soft something to get you back in this house tonight or even the rest of the week. I've got to get you while I'm here and while you're here and I've got to tell you what God wants you to hear and God's telling some of you, let me shape you. Let me mold you into the image of Christ. Let me conform you. My God, somebody, let me conform Hallelujah to God. Listen. If the man in 2 Kings 6 would have done one thing before he started working, he probably would not have lost that axe head. If he'd have made a trip to the river and soaked that axe head before he started working with it, he probably would not have lost it to begin with. If you and I Wait, man, we'll take a trip. You know, when you soak an axe head or a handle or anything, when you soak it in water, you know what it'll do? It'll swell up and it'll, it'll take the looseness out. If you leave it in that water long enough, amen, what it does is it solves the looseness. It won't fall off no more because that, that soaking has taken up the space, my God. If I'll spend some time at the river,
deliver. If I'll soak in the presence of God. If I'll soak in His glory. If I'll let that river come through here this week. If I'll let that river come through my house. And I'll soak that exhale in it. If I'll spend some time at the river. I won't have to look for the edge in the future. If he'd have just soaked the axe head in the river. We're so we so emphasize having to get out and do something for Jesus. And we're trying to do it with an ineffective edge. I've been there. I've done all I'm talking about. I've done it. Shouldn't have. Listen to me, church. Before we leave this house this morning. Amen. Musicians are coming and making themselves ready. Before we leave this house this morning. Somebody needs to soak the edge. Take a time, take a trip to the river and soak your life in that river of God. Amen. You know, listen, you can't, listen, you can't just dump that thing in water. Something we all struggle with right here. This is a process that we all struggle with, every one of us, myself included. It's called time. You and I are the reason we're in a place that we are in a lot of instances is because time, time is valuable and we all know it. We got to spend more time making a little extra money so we can make that sea dew payment. Nothing wrong with sea dews, personal water. I don't know what y'all call them here in Florida. We call everything a sea dew. We call everything a Coke. If it's Dr. Pepper, call it Coke. What kind of Coke you want? I want Dr. Pepper Coke. Praise God. <laughs> what kind of Coke you want? I want a Sprite. So we call it. I don't know why. I don't know why we do that, but we do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm not saying those things are wrong and bad, but what I'm saying is we all know time is expensive and time is valuable. Time's valuable when you're a young person. Time's valuable when you're an elder. Time's valuable when you're mom or your dad. And so what we do is we look at that activity of soaking in that river. It doesn't look glamorous. It don't look like it's going to be beneficial. It's taking some time. I've got to slow down. I can't be in a hurry. I've got to get things right. I've got to stay there for a while. I've got to spend some time there and it just don't look like I need to do that right now. I'll do it later. And what happens is we never do it and we lose the accent. I'm telling you, church, before you leave this house, spend some time soaking that handle in the presence of God and you'll be surprised at what He'll enable you to do. You'll be surprised how effective it'll be. Amen. When He tightens that edge up, He can put an edge back on it. Oh, God, church. I'm telling you, folks, what we need to do is spend some time at the river of God. Somebody here today, maybe you need to spend time at that river because there's some things on that handle that you need to wash away. Maybe it's not just soaking that it needs. Maybe it needs to be cleaned up. I'm going to tell you that river's good for that, folks. I'm going to tell you that presence of God is good for that, folks. You're in this place and there's something down deep in that soul. Listen to me, folks. We'll never have the kind of revival God wants us to have if we're hiding stuff. Say they don't. Now listen, preacher. They don't. Nobody else say that kind of stuff. I'm saying that kind of stuff. We ain't never gonna have the movie God for our kids. For hiding stuff. We gotta we gotta spend some time at that river and wash it away. Tighten it up. Woo, come on, somebody. I'm gonna go preach a men's conference in Quitman, Mississippi next Friday.
I already know what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on the legacy. I'll give you a little snippet of it. Y'all ready? Oh, yeah. What are you leaving for your, behind for your children to fight with? I may preach that here a little bit this week, maybe part of it. God will let me. What are we doing to help the next generation? Who am I affecting now? When I'm gone, what are they going to do? Come on, y'all are quiet. i got to spend some time at the river. I wish I'd learned something from old man John. I wish I'd learned how to sharpen a chainsaw. You know why he learned that? Because he knew if I'm going to be effective and make a living doing it. I've got to be good at this. It's just that way in the kingdom of God, if we want to be effective, we've got to spend some time on that. And we're so busy... Oh, I'm about to say it. Y'all going to get mad at me. We're so busy with ball tournaments. I won't even look at you. I'm going to turn my back so y'all don't think I'm singling nobody out. I even got my eyes closed. So y'all don't get your feeling. We put so much emphasis on ball. Come on, it's spring so I can say deer hunting. It's March so it ain't the rut. Y'all won't get mad at me. Where I'm from, you can't even hardly have church when the rut hits. The men go in the rut too. Everybody leaves the church. I'm exaggerating just a little bit. Y'all bear with me, but I'm just letting you know, folks. Why don't we spend some time at the river? We look at Ashbury College. I don't know what your opinion is on that. It really don't matter what we think about it. We look at revival among the young people, and whether you think it's real revival or it's not, it don't matter if it's real or fake. Because if it's real or it's fake, it condemns us either way. The only way our generation is going to get out of the condemnation of revival. Y'all know what the condemnation of revival is? Well, am I willing to manifest it? Come on, somebody. We look at a generation of these young people, they're Methodist kids or whatever they are, it's going on. And we look at that and say, well, that can't be this because it's not that and it's not this. And it can't be that. And you might be right. But do we have the ability to judge something that we ourselves are not producing? Come on, saints. Let's be real. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but I'm saying this tonight, this morning. I'm saying this. I fall under condemnation if I'm lukewarm enough that I don't want to participate and it is real, then I'm in trouble. If it's fake and I'm too lukewarm to produce the real, then I'm in trouble as well. So I might as well spend some time at the river and soak a little while in that river and get the connection tightened up, get what's between me and God tightened back up, get it sharpened back up, and whatever that Holy Ghost wants to do in my life, whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do in your life, whatever He wants to do in this church, if it saves somebody, if it's healed, if it's to take a whole service over, do whatever He wants to do, let Him do it. I just want to be in the river. I just want to be in the river. Stand to your feet in this house. All over this house here today, church. The edge was lost because the connection was dry. Soak it. Soak it. And I'm going to get you to the altar with this. 
You can tighten that connection up as long as you can soak it. You can also do this. You can also drive a nail in it. You can drive some iron down in it. And that iron will tighten that connection up. You know what some of us need to do? We need to let God drive some iron down in our soul again. Drive some iron down in the very innermost part of our being. You see, nothing, listen to me, you will not affect the connection, a loose connection like this. You can only affect it on the inside of the connection. You can never affect it on the outside. Something's got to get on the inside, church. I'm telling you, something's got to get on the inside. Yeah. For us to soak at the river again. For us to realize this is important. Amen. Have you seen our nation? Do you see what's going on? Have you seen the direction of things? Church, it can't just keep going like this. We've got to have revival. And if we don't have a move of God, we're in trouble. I don't know what other people are going to do. But I'm here with a burden this week to tell you. Get the edge back. Get the edge back. Get the edge back. Lift your hands all over this house if you would. This morning, I want you to begin to magnify and worship the Lord in this place. I'm going to do my best to try to transition all of you into an altar service this morning. It ain't late, folks. Amen. It just now hit 12 o'clock. Hallelujah to God. It ain't even late, church. you got plenty of time. Can you lift your hands for a moment and just magnify and worship? I want you to get your mind off of the preacher. I want you to get your mind off of everything but Jesus. Come on. Get your mind off of your troubles. Get your mind off of your circumstance. Get your mind off of what you did to get it loose. Get your mind off of what you did to lose it. I'm telling you, if you've lost the axe head here today, amen, if you'll go back where you lost it, you know where it is. You know where it is. Oh, God. Church, he cut a stick down and threw it in that river. You know what that stick is? It's Calvary. It's the cross. He cut that stick down and threw it in. It's the same thing like when Moses put that stick in the bitter waters of Myra. It's Calvary. It's the cross. Something's lost. Something's not where it should be. The cross. There's recovery, my God, church. I know there's there's no telling what situations we're dealing with in this house today on a Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, if we'll let God, if we'll take God back to where we lost it, and we'll apply Calvary. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you this morning, there can be a recovery in this place. Maybe a recovery of that kind needs to take place in this house. Maybe. Do you say, preacher, I hadn't lost the axe head, but I can tell you it's starting to get loose. I hadn't lost the axe head, but I can tell it's dull. I'm going to tell you something, folks, before we leave this house. Why don't we let the Holy Ghost put an edge on it? Why don't we soak in His presence for a little while? As she begins to play and sing, I want to invite everybody in this house that would come to find a place in these altars. You can stand. You can kneel. You can get up against the wall. I don't maybe you can kneel at the front pew. I don't care what you do, friend. But I'm telling you, before you leave this house, can you soak a little while? Before you leave this house, can you let him put an edge? Maybe before you leave this house, don't leave here with the axe head being gone. If you leave this house and you know there needs to be a recovery, my God, amen, let him put his stick, he let him put Calvary, amen, into the mix today. Come on. Can we lift our hands all over this house and worship him in this place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.